Monday night, and that means a brand new episode of Graphic Policy Radio, the show that mixes politics and comics. Uh, tonight we've got a brand new guest, and we've wanted to get on the show for quite a while. But before I introduce him, I'm going to hopefully my co-host Nolana's there. Are you there? I don't know if you're back at your mic. Hello, I am. Hi. Okay, excellent. <laughs> Uh, I uh, just came back from FlameCon. That's what I was about to ask. Like, how, how was the con- um, convention? Well, uh, the awesomest LGBTQ geek convention in the world continues to be incredibly awesome and my favorite convention. I definitely found out some really interesting new uh, creator works and comics and got some cool news that I broke on our Twitter account. And I'll be putting together a blog post that summarizes the news that we got and cool new artists we discovered and stuff like that. That'll be up on that'll be up on the website uh, probably tomorrow. And right now there already is a post that I made that's sort of a summary of the panel that I ran, uh, which yes. is about activism and LGBTQ geek community. Um, so that's on graphic policy right now. So yep. You can go check that out. And folks should check it out. But you should do it after we're done with the radio show uh, at yes, graphicology.com. No, 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 not during. Unless you can, uh, if you can do th- more than one thing, uh, then you're good. But we've we've got a guest tonight, someone that we've wanted to be uh, on the show for quite a while, one of the more distinctive artists, um, definitely one of the, the hotter artists out there, uh, Ramon Villalobos. Uh, he's a penciler for Marvel's Nighthawk uh, ongoing that's currently going on, and you might know his work as well from E is for Extinction, also a Marvel series from last year's Marvel event, Secret Wars. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. We've had really good conversations on Twitter, and I've really loved what you've been doing on Nighthawk, so I'm, I'm glad we have this opportunity to get you on to talk about your work. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I, we have had good conversations on Twitter, you know. It's been a uh, um, – you know, that's not something you always do on Twitter. That's true. That's true. I, I think we're of like minds in some way. We definitely geeked out about art a lot. Um, I haven't heard the story of how you got to become a comics artist. Um, so we'd love to hear, like, yeah, what's your history in comics? Were you always reading them? Did you always want to be an artist in comics or an artist in general? Uh, so growing up, I did like to draw a lot, but it wasn't something I thought was like a, a thing that people do for a living, you know? And I didn't grow up reading comics because I grew up uh, in a, with a single mother, you know? So we didn't have a lot of money, and she had four kids, so she didn't have a lot of time either. Um, but, you know, we, we always made do, and, you know, we a lot of things, like, you know, she would get us toys or whatever would be, like, shared stuff. So, like, if I was the only one that wanted to read comics, and I was, then we just didn't get comics. Actually, she did take me to the shop, like, once when I was really young, and she let me pick out, like, an X-Men book, and uh, I, like, trashed it. And so that was my, like, last comment for a long time <laughs> because she was able to be like, well, what happened to that other one, you know? And I was like, well, yeah, <laughs> that uh, played myself. So uh, yeah, I didn't actually start reading comics until, like, my friends and I would go, like, uh, like ride our bikes, like, sort of uh, middle school, and I would, like, pick up a comic every now and then when they would go get Pokemon cards. I would just, like, pick up a book with whoever looked coolest. So it would be, like, Nighthawk or, you know, the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern shit. And then mm-hmm. in high school, I realized I can go to the library and they had just graphic novels, like shelves full of them. 
and then you could even like go on online and like check out books and they'll like ship it to your library. So then I just I went fucking nuts and I read everything. And uh even then though I it was still like a pretty abstract idea of drawing comics for a living. So uh I I didn't I still didn't really pursue it. I was going to school to be an art teacher because uh where I went to school my teacher had planned on retiring, so he he sort of planted a seed in my head that I should take over for him when uh when he retires and I was on that track and then in like 08 with the big financial collapse I, I realized may, maybe uh pursuing a an art teacher like position wasn't the best play so uh I I stayed in school and while I was going to community college uh I just started doing like comic shit on the side I never like in community college I did it constantly and I was able to meet up with a lot of other cool artists and uh, uh are you guys getting word static over there or is that just something I'm hearing you sound great to me oh okay so, sorry I just I was wanted to check to make sure I wasn't like sounding weird um so yeah it, at college uh I, I was just putting my work online basically and uh, I was I was working a lot with different other people that I would meet online and in person and uh, I there was a couple summers where I would just do uh, like a different kind of superhero drawing a day and meanwhile I was like sort of working doing like uh, screen printing for like a motorcycle club um, slash screen printing shop and I would do like weird odd jobs around Stockton uh, where I live uh, until now. Uh, uh, where I was able to get hired by Marvel Comics, you know. Uh, I had one book come out independently with uh, Kurt Pierce, who does a lot of stuff for Black Mass. He, he sort of paid me out of oh. pocket to do a book, and it was like a one-shot. And then after that one, I was working on another book, uh, which I still need to finish, with a buddy of mine named Seth Jacob. And uh, in the middle of that, Marvel Marvel uh, had found me through Tumblr, Uh is what I what I understand it to be. Uh, Will Moss, John Moisen, and uh, the writer of the, my first book, Joe Keating, had all like sort of had me on a list of. Uh, they were doing a, a series called "What If Age of Ultron," and it was a four issue thing and or five issue thing, and each issue was drawn by a different artist. And they had me on the second one, so that was my first book. And then after that, I sort of like the ball got rolling, and I've been fortunate to work ever since. That's awesome. Like Tumblr works. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it definitely did for me. Yeah, and um, I, you know, I, I definitely it's clear that you're someone who's been working on their craft a lot, a lot for a long time. We we were talking a bit about art inspirations, and I was thinking that the, uh, you know, when you you worked on E for Extinction, which was written by Chris Burnham, and he was an artist before he was Chris Burnham a writer, and Dennis Culver, and Dennis Culver, yeah. Yeah. And Chris Sorry, both, both artist writer. writers. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Dennis Cohen is also an artist writer. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so what, what, Dennis Culver. Uh, yeah. He actually, I, my first job in comics was coloring him on an Oni Press book called Ajnaz. Oh wow. Okay. Is it? Is it? Well, isn't it a different dynamic when you're drawing for another artist than when you're drawing for a writer who is not an artist? I think it is. I think that typically writers that also draw comics 
uh, or have drawn comics, they have a better sort of idea of how things can be shown on the page. Um, that's why I think, like, anybody that wants to write comics should at least try, even if they're not, like, you know, really, really, like, pushing, like, you know, if they're not really pushing, like, the, the craft of, like, learning how to actually draw really well, you know, they just try and draw, like, moments on a page. That's the best way to, like, learn, like, to know how to write the stuff because it's sort of like uh, like somebody trying to teach you how to, like, fly an airplane and they don't know how to drive with a regular car. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. it's, it's hard to, like, envision, like, telling a story on a page uh, as a writer with words when you, when you can't, like, physically put pictures on a page. Right. I mean, you've done a great job with action. Like some of those panels in Night in Nighthawk, of him fighting, uh, that spread everybody keeps using of him just kicking across those white supremacists, and then oh, yeah. the Thank scene you. of him walk. I mean, everybody loves that. Everybody loves people kicking white supremacists, but um, but especially that panel was super dynamic. But I personally, I love the storytelling. It's like one of the first sequences in Nighthawk. Uh, he's in the shower. And he's like having oh. a bit of a emotional moment, and um, you just start cross cutting between him showering and him fighting, and he's got such a great drawing of his back muscles and the scars and everything. And it's like maybe that's not oh, issue thank one. You. No, it is issue one. It is issue one. But um, it is yeah, it's such a great sequence. It's narrative as hell. Um, yeah, that was yeah. also like I think really helped by. Uh, Tamara Bonvillain's colors. Tamara is a like an awesome, awesome colorist, and like I was super fortunate to work with her because I think she's going to be like one of the like best colorists. You know, I mean, she already is, but she's going to be considered yeah. that you know pretty soon. And she's like one of my really good friends. We talk almost every day. Uh, me, her, and like a few other artists, we have like a group hangout call uh, online, so we like chat every night and. Uh, so, like, usually if you see me up at, like, 3 in the morning, we're, like, sharing in-jokes on Twitter and shit. But, like, <laughs> she she brought a lot to that. And, like, uh, she's also, like, really adaptive because that scene, when when she colored it, I had, like, sort of both those palettes were things that I had, like, asked her if she could try out. And I always, like, defer to her. Like, if I'll give her ideas for stuff because I, I, used, I do color my own stuff sometimes. I'll, like, say, can mm. you try this? And if if it doesn't work for her, then I'm just like, well, do whatever you think works best because, you know, you're better at this than me. But uh, <laughs> that that particular scene, uh, yeah, that definitely, I had, I had a bunch of input, and I do, I love that scene, yeah. I mean, I think you guys are an amazing team, like, really, like, perfect for each other's work. So I hope that you guys get to do more books together soon, too. Um, yeah, just, her, like, uh, every time I work yeah. on anything, I, I'm just going to say that I want to work with her. Like, I don't want to work with anybody <laughs> else because I like being able to just, like, send her GIFs of, like, shoes or Rihanna videos and just say, like, this is the this is the palette. Like, do this. And then she does it, and it fucking looks great. Well, you know, it's interesting because there's a couple of things that I feel like really stand out about your work, which one of them, and we were talking about this the other day. Well, there was a conversation around this the other day with some folks at FlameCon, which is, like, a lot of artists don't know how to draw black people um and you do a great job of drawing black people and you do a great job drawing white people but like most artists (laughs) at least have a a vague ability to do that or else they wouldn't be employed um and uh like they every you know hair and faces and expressions and everything um and i was wondering if that was something that you particularly trained on and what do you think is the importance of doing that well 
Um, I don't know. I think that sometimes, um, for me, I, I always look at comic art, um, and I see a lot of, uh, the aesthetics of it and the culture of it being influenced by other comic art. You know what I mean? Like, so because it's always been predominantly like white characters and like white artists doing it, it, it sort of has like this, like, uh, like a Roboro tail, like eating itself where it's just a nonstop mm-hmm. loop of it. And at this point it's like, it's been sort of like evolved a bit. I mean, that's, that's maybe a little harsh, but so much of comics art is influenced by other comics art. And so much of old comics art is of white people. But I didn't, like I said, I didn't grow up reading comics, right? I grew up watching like in living color and Martin. And so like, to me, the difference between like a black person's face and a white person's face is, is pretty big. And, you know, I wouldn't draw it the same, you know, or at least I, I wouldn't think to draw it the same. Or I, so I don't have really like, stock faces. I don't think, I mean, I, I'm sure I do, but it's, it's different. It's not a stock comic book face. It's just like stock faces that I've seen in the media that I consumed. And, mm-hmm. you know, I watch a lot of like, I watch a lot of like, you know, rat, like rap videos and basketball and shit like that. And like, I try and like look at different cultures and people. So I don't know. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not something I, I make an active effort to. I think it's just sort of ingrained in, in me as a person and that comes out in the way I draw. It's the same thing with like fashion. Awesome. A lot of people don't mm-hmm. really know how like, you know, other people dress. That's why a lot, you see a lot of people dressing in comics today like John Byrne comics in like the eighties and that's fucking weird. <laughs> that's one of my pet peeves. And yeah, you actually know what clothing people wear. Um, I appreciate that. It makes it easier for me to get in the mood of the story. For real. For real. Um, that was also a very big topic of conversation at FlameCon, as you can imagine. Um, yeah and oh, I fashion but on the other well, yeah, I'm like comics failing at fashion. Like, just yeah. when you have like a, a panel full of LGBTQ comics artists, they're probably going to end up mentioning that a lot of comics artists fail at drawing clothing. So, um, but yeah, like not just like people's like street fashion in this, which is like very contemporary, but you like even like the suits that you have, the, the folks who are the, the businessmen uh, and Nighthawk and his non superhero persona wearing are like. Very, very sharp and contemporary. Oh, thanks. So, yeah, the 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 evil like I think his name is a uh, sorry I cannot believe I don't know his name because I was just like the evil like white billionaire dude. I think yeah, his name is like Monahan or something. We know who we mean. Yeah, we know. Who yeah, we yeah. I I always sort of look at him as like like Scott Disick and like you know Patrick Bateman, so they would have like that kind of tailored suit. But like, uh, mm-hmm. but but uh, Nighthawk, I I always look at like. Like Kanye when he was like in that rose that rose uh, I, I can't remember I can't believe I'm blanking on so much stuff right now um, in my dark beautiful just fantasy era Kanye he wore like mm. very clean suits so I looked at a lot of what he wore when I draw when I draw his like street clothes when he's wearing suits and stuff oh wow that's cool I can see that. And actually, I would just say for our if readers, if, if anybody here isn't already reading Nighthawk, you guys should really get on it. It's a very graphic policy comic because it's a superhero comic that is incredibly political. He's dealing with institutional racism on the part of the Chicago police force. 
He's fighting against evil developers who are basically privatizing public housing to make it in, to yeah. take advantage of people and turn it into luxury housing. Um, and it's, yeah, so it's political and very contemporary and uh, like just one of the most 2016 comics. I, I mean that in a good way, like 2016, not like in a, oh, like this will be short-lived. 2016 in the sense of being like this actually feels like it has something to say about what's happening in the world around us right now. It's like very contemporary and Thank important. You. So, uh, yeah, yeah, when, uh, when went, they yeah. told me we sort of the pitch. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you? Yeah, but not for a while. So in case anybody Sorry. hasn't. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> I was going to say that when they, <laughs> no, no, uh, go ahead. when they told me the pitch of the book, like it was like last year almost. And I, I like turned down a few things. Cause I was like, no, 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 no. I have Nighthawk coming. I don't know when, because David uh, had got, I think, moved over to work on the Power Man Iron Fist stuff. But I was like, I don't know when I'm going to draw this book, but when I do, I'm going to draw the shit out of it. So I like, I, I could not, you know. I was like, I'm not going to, like, not draw this book. I really wanted to, like, handle that political stuff because uh, I know, like, it was important. It was important to me to try and do something that, like, interested me. And when I draw, I watch a lot of news, and, you know, it's you can't avoid that kind of stuff these days, you know. And David has done a good job of, like, talking about that stuff in the book. And, you know, our editors, uh, Katie Cooper, Christina Harrington, and uh, Ashley Alonzo have been very supportive about, like, letting us do crazy shit that you wouldn't expect in a Marvel book, you know? Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, that's why it's interesting to me, I think, most of all. It's not like I've had any particular interest in this character historically, although it sounds like you did. Right. Um, before it came out, I had got a few of the trades of the stuff that this version of him had been in. And uh, I remember there was, like, uh, my buddy David Brothers, um, who's at Image Comics, he used to write for Comics Alliance. Uh-huh. He had, like, a blog post about it on his website about, like, the kind of must-read Nighthawk books. So I had the ones that he said that I needed to read on that blog post. I just read those and, like, try to get familiar. Cool. I mean, you really got to reinvent his costume in a lot of ways. and I think you did an amazing job really making it very iconic. And the, 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 the logo that they used, did you design that? It just Is that based on the mask, or, or how did that come together? Uh, I think it was based on the old mask or the mask that they're using in the other book. I had nothing to do with the logo, no. Um, oh, okay. They, they, so, they sort of showed me the costume that he was using in the other book, and they said, if you could make it look similar to this, uh, but, you know, obviously make it your own. Uh, so I, I, I sort of based it on a, a pair of shoes that I liked, and to, it, that's gotten that's gotten us like a lot of like little coverage from like shoes. Like, I'm a I'm a big uh, I don't like you saying the word sneakerhead, but I'm a big fan of of shoe culture and stuff like that. Like I have I have a, I have a ridiculous amount at this point. Uh, I, I've just like lost control. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So, so I I, it, I basically said like, what shoes would he be wearing if like he was if Batman were cool? And then I just sort of designed <laughs> around that, you know. Um, I love it. Yeah, the you know, the, the cool thing really about good. that is, oh, sorry, go ahead. As you say, the costume itself, I think, is really successful. Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, the the neat thing is because of that like shoe thing, there's been a lot of people that have read this book because of that, and uh, that would that generally don't read comments, you know, like uh, it's. It's. I think we've been able to like cross over into like slightly different like channels 
because when I when I, I I do like to think that when I draw books, like I'm not really trying to draw for people that already read comics, because I feel like almost every other book is for them. I'm trying to draw for people like me who grew up not reading comics, but had like an affinity for that like stuff, and especially now that stuff's so inundated in our culture. So it's like, you know, why not try and reach out to people that things aren't currently being made for? You know. We are very sympathetic to that sentiment around these parts. So one of the things you got to do is you got to reinvent Tilda, who is a female character I, that I guess you guys inherited from the earlier series, but you guys like just really reinvented her. Um, I, I, I don't know as much about the personality because I hadn't read the older comics, but you definitely changed up her look um, and made her more contemporary and less, how shall I say it, like generic and ridiculous. Like she was kind of, a little bit of like a Rob Liefeldish kind of situation before, I'll be honest. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know if you had any particular inspirations in putting together a female character who people just really didn't know um, and, and, and sort of crafting her look. Thanks. Yeah, I, I did. Um, it's, it's kind of funny because, like, I did not know that she was a pre-existing character. Probably until the book came out and people said, oh, <laughs> hey, they have Nightshade. And I was like, who's Nightshade? I think people are like, I was like, oh, shit, that's the girl that I've been trying. <laughs> so uh, the, the, the cool thing is, is like they, they, they knew. So they were telling me in the begin- initially I was very off in her design. They were like, no, it's too young. No, it's too, like, quirky. Like, you don't understand. And I was like, I don't get it. Like, what do they want? So. I, I, there was like a little bit of like growing pains to get to where we were at. Like it essentially start, like it ends out close to where it started, but there was just like a little bit of like, you know, back and forth. Um, but it, I think it worked out for the best that I, I didn't know because I, I, you know, I think what we ended up with is like a pretty cool character that's inspired by like, uh, Sid from the internet, uh, like the odd future band. And like, uh, there's a, there's a Paris Goebbels, a dancer from New Zealand, like some of her in there, and like just a lot of like sort of like that like that movie Dope, like the kind of audience that watches that. I wanted to make a character that like they can uh-huh. see themselves in, you know. So uh, that, but older, and so uh, yeah, there was there was there was some like back and forth with the design process because I honestly didn't know that that character existed because they just said, oh yeah, he has a sidekick named Tilda Johnson. She's like cool. She's funny, she's tough, and, you know, it was sort of like a blank slate, so I thought it was a completely blank slate, <laughs> and uh, little did I know it wasn't, so, but it, it, I think it worked out for the best, because I, I agree, she's, like, really fun to draw, she has, like, a cool haircut and stuff, and I, I usually try and give her, like, cool clothes, like, that are contemporary, you know? Yeah, we appreciate it. <laughs> um, one of the other questions I had was about inspiration, um, I, you know, you, I, I, I don't actually know Collins' art. I should really check him out. Um, but I do know Chris Burnham's because I read a lot of Batman Incorporated forever and ever. Mm-hmm. And um, I definitely see a, a, a continuity between his work and yours and then between uh, his work and yours and, um, uh, oh, my God. Yeah, he worked with Sam Morrison all the damn time. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and I can tell each of you guys apart, especially. Right. And I, as you, as we may have chatted about, I'm not the world's biggest Frank Whiteley fan, even though I know that I'm wrong because everybody else tells Ooh. me so. 
But I know everybody else tells me so, but like I get it. I understand why people like it. It's just not my thing. But your stuff, I like, just works for me anyway. I think it's because it's so contemporary. But I was wondering, like, you know, how does did you any particularly feel like working with Burnham because you guys have similarities in these styles, or like had you looked at his work like in an inspiration to yours? Um, do you, is there like a crew of people who like all are kind of cognizant of having similar inspirations? Uh, yeah, um, there are, uh, me, Burnham and, uh, Nick Patera who draws Manhattan projects were, we're all mm-hmm. sort of like the, I think there's, there's like sort of more, I mean like, especially uh, we all have like outside influences of that as well. Like Patera sure, is a but... big Seth Fisher fan. And so like, but, but there's a, there's a, kind of comic art called clear line style where you don't use a lot of blacks and it's a lot of like uh just just lines like contour lines and shit and quiet and like trying to get textures down and get depth through like line weight and stuff quietly to me is like the the best artist of all time like comic artist of all time so i'm constantly gonna his work and like because of that me and those dudes have become pretty good friends like i'm sort of like the like, you know, like the the younger uh, version of them, like the younger, less good version of them. So, uh, I mean, like, technically, those guys are incredible. So, uh, you know, I'm tr- I'm just trying to catch up. And, like, I'm very fortunate that they're, like, pretty, you know, uh, they're pretty uh, kind to me and they, like, give me a lot of advice. And, like, you know, working on Ease for Extinction, uh, Burnham did, like, give me notes that were, like, very, very helpful of uh, things that I was not doing right. And the thing is, I'm still, like, even though I've I've been working for Marvel for, like, three years, uh, and, like, Marvel and other companies for about three years, uh, I still feel like I'm pretty new to comics because I haven't I haven't been drawing it before I started working for Marvel for very long, you know? So um, there are certain things that I know that I can do, but I'm always trying to get better at it, and those dudes are, uh, those dudes and, like, a lot of other people are, like, you know, it's great, uh, so just be around them. We also have the same art rep, uh, my my art rep Felix Liu. So when we do shows, we're usually sort of grouped together, uh, and we're also grouped with like other amazing artists, like uh, Nick Dragata, who does East of West. He's like a he's like a pretty oh. close friend of mine. We we hang out like every couple weeks at his place and uh, just like chat and work on stuff. And uh, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson and uh, James Heron and. Gary Brown and there's a bunch of them, but uh, we're like we're sort of like becoming like a, a crew of guys that uh, we we see each other doing work and we have like a we have private conversations where we're trying to like top each other, you know. So it's pretty it's a pretty good like uh, network. That's valuable. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's like iron sharpens iron, you know. So. <laughs> I love it. Um, speaking of other kinds of media, I, I actually was talking with a friend of the show, Emma Hubois, who is a big oh, yeah. fan of yours. And she said, uh, I was like, okay, Emma, he's going to be on the show. You're going to have some questions that I want to have thought of, I'm sure. Uh, and she brought up, and I've known that you're a wrestling fan because obviously you talk about it on the wrestling Twitters. But um, she brought yeah, up. Yeah, Raw's on right now, but I, I was like, I got to do the show. You know, I, just, I, can't, I can't watch Raw, so it's cool, though. <laughs> hey, I, got, I, I think I got DVR. It'll be all right. It's all good. Okay, good. I hope so. 
Um, she mentioned that you had done some um, merch for Dusty Rhodes' son, Cody, a legendary uh, yeah. wrestler, Dusty Rhodes. And I checked out the T-shirt you drew, and it's badass. Wow. Thanks. Yeah, I also drew um, his uh, gear. I designed <laughs> his, his new ring gear that he wears out. Oh, wow. That's cool. So, yeah, yeah, that was like, sort of like a surreal like? moment. <laughs> Uh, that was awesome. Uh, my friend Aubrey, uh, and he's a comic writer. He does uh, Street Fighter vs. G.I. Joe and uh, some other things right now. But he uh, he's a big wrestling guy, too. And he's, he had known Cody Rhodes through just, like, being in that world. And Cody Rhodes needed a new uh, gear design. So he sort of put a call out on Twitter, and I, I answered it. And Aubrey said, oh, get Ramon. So it was it was actually pretty like it was surreal because I was texting with this guy who I I admire like his wrestling but also like his his fashion sense for years like he's always been like one of the best dressed wrestlers so that he wanted like me to help him design it I was like this is amazing this is incredible so we just kind of like I sent him a sketch and he like the first one he was like it's great can you get me like a more polished version of it I said yep so I did that and then. Uh, then we just waited for him to debut it, and he just did that, like, Friday. And then after that, he asked, uh, or after I designed the stuff, he asked if I would do a shirt for him. I was like, yeah, no problem. So we, we got that done, too. Um, but, he, you know, we it was just through, like, texts and stuff. So I'm really looking forward to being able to see him wrestle live sometime now that he's sort of on an independent circuit and doing his own thing. Hmm, okay, cool. Yeah, I just was super impressed with the T-shirt, and it's comics Twitter is like kind of like fifty percent wrestling Twitter. It feels like these days. So. Yeah, you know it's funny because it is now, but it wasn't like five to six years ago when I was doing that. Like, it uh, yeah. used to be that I was the annoying one on Twitter that would like not shut the fuck up about it, and like I would get, I would get like I would have to get shit when I would go to conventions from like Dennis Culver and his friends, our other friends, and he would. You know, say, like, you got to calm down with that stuff. Now everybody does it. And, like, I used to go to conventions, and I'd be the only one in, like, you know, a Daniel Bryan shirt. Now I go there, and, like, everybody's wearing wrestling stuff. So it's pretty it's pretty cool that, like, you know, it's exploded again. And I think it's, like, much more, like, especially, like, especially I think in, like, like comics in, like, circles, circles, it's big, it's you know? Big, you know? Mm. Why do you think that is? Um... I don't know. I think that WWE's embraced it more. Uh, I think they've made it a more acceptable thing. And uh, I think a lot of people just, like, it, it's just, like, I think the way it spreads culture, like, people watch it with their friends and it just grows. But, yeah, I, mean, I, I can't put a finger on it exactly, but it's definitely, like, I've seen, I've seen the growth from when I was the only guy doing it with, like, maybe a handful of others till now where it's, like, ye- like half, like you said, half the fucking comic industry watches wrestling now. I mean, we but all probably. I will used say to. that I'm the only one who draws like really fucking tight holds in books. So. That's true. You do have lots of wrestling in the way the fights are drawn, huh? Yeah. I hadn't quite put it together, but it's all in there. Yeah, That's before really a trip. I. Before uh, I was doing that, I would put them in, like, uh, like pinups. I would just do drawings for fun on the side for Tumblr. And I had a series called The Man of a Thousand Holds where I was just doing kind of obscure wrestling holds that were, like, puns, like uh, Daenerys from Lord of the Rings doing a dragon sleeper. 
and like the King Kong doing the gorilla clutch <laughs> and shit like that. So I was doing that, and then when I started drawing comics, I was I was getting kind of bored of drawing people like getting with choked real like in real basic ways. And I, uh, I remember I was working on Original Sins, and uh, I asked my editor and the writer like, "Hey, this is like the third time I'm drawing somebody getting held up by their throat. Can I like do something else?" And they were like, "Yeah, like do do whatever you want." So I gave them like a cravat a cravat hold. It was like, it accomplished the same thing, but it's much more dynamic, I thought. And, uh, I was able to show that to one of my favorite wrestlers, Chris Hero, and he thought it was awesome because he does that hold a bunch. So, you know, that's been pretty, that's been pretty cool to like sh- spread that like love. And actually Burnham said, uh, hey, like in the first issue of these for Extinction, like Cyclops is watching TV and there's a wrestling match. And in the script, he's like, hey, just draw a cool wrestling hold here. I don't care what it is. I'm just, uh, just tell me the name of it when it's done. Wow. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Eating for Extinction was a very different kind of story that you were telling visually. That was just, like, trippy and crazy uh, as hell. Do you have any stories about being asked to draw something in there and just being able to go completely wild? Like, what was the craziest thing you got to draw in Eating for Extinction? There was was a bunch. Very other world X-Men story. Uh, yeah, like coming out, there was a really bunch. There, yeah. Yeah, there was Sorry, one time where uh, they had uh, Beast was looking at like this guy's uh, sperm for different like mutant genes in it, and they were mm-hmm. just like draw a page full of like sperm floating around like Beast. <laughs> that was that was really strange. Um, <laughs> and like the emails from like Katie. And uh, Chris and I think Christina were just like sperm, 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 <laughs> like in all caps. That was like that was a that was a fun day to like set turn in pages and stuff. Uh, there was that one, and uh, there was a real psychedelic like page where uh, Emma Frost merges with the cuckoo step uh, the cuckoo step for, uh, cuckoo. step for cuckoos. Yeah, sorry, and. There's like this real like crazy like psychedelic page and uh, the colorist Ian Herring like made it look insane like I mean I drew it to be kind of weird and like psychedelic but he took it to like another level and that was like awesome <laughs> it, it, that was like one of my favorite pages from that and when I started drawing it I was like I don't know what I'm doing like Dennis kind of had an idea for it and he did like a rough sketch of it because uh, Dennis contributed so much to that book like most of the the cool little like witty lines in there that were like references to old Morrison books. A lot of that was him, because he's such a big mm. Rep Morrison fan, and uh, he. But he, because he's an artist, he also did a lot of like layouts for me uh, when when I just didn't get it. So uh, that was like a collaboration between him, I, and that colorist. That I think just came out fucking awesome. So yeah, I was just rereading it in preparation for the show, and it is a lot of fun. Oh, thanks. It is, it is crazy shit. Do you have any projects that you envision, like, that you want to do that you haven't had a chance to do yet of your own? Like, you want to be a writer artist on your own book, perhaps, at the same time? Yeah, but I'm, I'm, uh, so, yeah, I, I, I want to write and draw, but, and I have written, uh, like, a a one-issue book with my buddy Craig Cermak, who draws uh, Red Team before either of us were getting, like, professional work, we did this, like, one book, and it was, like, sort of our, like, 
our at the time our ideal comic book. It was like superheroes, but it was political. It was all this shit. And I wrote it, and he drew it because he's a better artist than me. And then I colored it because I'm a better colorist than him. And like we were like, oh, this is like this is great. And like we got like a decent amount of like people that you know really dug it. But like we were we neither of us are salesmen, so that would be a great one to work with Craig again on that. Um, but the thing is, is that I don't write comics right now. Like, so I, no company's really going to give me a chance. So to, to do that. So I'm going to try and like, uh, dip my, dip my foot into that pool pretty soon. I'm hoping, but, uh, yeah, it's been like, uh, there, there's been a lot of, a lot of, like, shit that I want to do in comics that I, I don't think I can even really talk about because, luckily, they're all sort of bubbling up right now, and I don't want to, like, jinx it or, like, say anything prematurely. But uh, the next year or so, if if the things that are happening pan out, it's going to be fucking awesome. So, I'll t- I mean, I can just say that. That sounds promising as hell. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. So how I mean, with with Nighthawk, I mean, there's there's so much detail um, in the art. Like, how long does it actually take you to put together an issue on the, the art end of things? Uh, too long. Um, and like, I'm aware that it's it's taking me too long to draw Nighthawk. It's taking me longer than I've drawn other comics because I'm trying new things, and inevitably that just I get I'm not comfortable doing it, and I get in my own way. Luckily, uh, Katie uh, Cooper and Christina. Harrington, my editors, have been super supportive, and they've given me uh, help when I've needed it. Uh, Martin Morazzo, who did the fill-in for three, and will be doing a fill-in for issue five, uh, he saved me so much, because uh, three, I kind of was going slow and trying to find my footing, and it was supposed to give me enough momentum to finish out the the rest of the series, but uh, this, like two months ago, maybe, I just had, like, the roughest go personally like in my in my personal life like with my family and stuff that like I've had maybe ever like with just death and sickness and uh stuff like that and uh it all sort of piled up and they gave they have him draw issue five so that issue six which I'm working on now will be great and then you know uh just keep that moving forward but uh I'm honestly not sure because it, it varies depending on what's going on uh like even just this last week, a freaking a freaking lady ran a red light and crashed into my car, and that's been a whole Wait. other ordeal because she didn't even have like insurance for her. Oh car. no! So, yeah, so like I don't know if I'm cursed right now, but uh, it, I have not been able to draw like this book the way I've I've wanted to. Uh, and, but luckily, like I said, with the editors and you know. Uh, Tamara keeping like a steady continuity and Martin Morazzo just being like amazing. Uh, I think the book still has looked great. Like the last issue, I didn't draw it, but you know, I had a little bit of input. Uh, but I mean, that's mostly just Martin being freaking awesome. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. Sorry to, to kind of have that bad string of luck lately. Yeah, yeah, hopefully yeah, it was. I'm hoping, yeah. It was crazy. Like I've, I was just like, as as bad things were happening, I was just laughing, be like, "Are you freaking serious?" Like I don't know what's going on, but 
yeah, we've been we've I've just been trying to make the stuff I am drawing look as good as possible and yeah. So with, uh, I mean, obviously Nighthawks is like a really political book, um, and you, you yeah. mentioned that the series, the uh, creator own one that you kind of were working on, has like really kind of a political vibe about it. Um, you know, what is it about that subject matter that really interests you? Um, well, I, I, it's just, that, that to me is the, like, the first issue of Extreme Underground was a lot about global warming, which is not something comics have ever, like, tried to address, you know? Um, like, the, that, the general story was, like, global warming was, uh, like, oil was, like, a sentient creature, and we were, like, ridding the, uh, the earth of its, its finite resources. We're basically, like, killing it. It was, it was dying. It was, like, an apoc, it was, like, a holocaust for, like, this organism that came to earth, like, millions of years ago, and we're just, like, killing it, like, and, uh, it's basically getting revenge by killing the skies, the earth, and the sea, um, so, like, it was, like, just, I was, we were just trying to do, me and Craig just tried to do, like, a science fiction telling about global warming and, like, uh, you know, fossil fuel and, like, just what's going to happen if we don't fix that, and it was just through, like, a superhero story. Uh, there's a lot of issues though that are not being talked about and we really want to talk about in comics and uh, like I said hopefully we get to uh, me, Craig or me whoever I work with that's why Nighthawk was so uh, exciting to me because it was like they said like this might be like the like a very political politically charged book and uh, you know it's 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 better than drawing uh a superhero fighting like a supervillain for like the umpteenth time with no resolution and no nothing to say about it, you know? Yeah. To- yeah. Totally makes sense. I, going, going, I've had a couple of folks on my, you know, I, in my work work, I, I work in like for an immigrant rights organization and I have a, a lot of political folks who I engage with on Twitter. And it's like, at least 50% of my Twitter. I had a couple of folks when I saw, when I posted one of your images in preparation for the show tonight, somebody was like, that's a thing that someone drew. I was like, yes. They're like, oh my God. Um, So your point about just speaking to people who don't necessarily read comics, aren't the normal comic audience seems to be true to me. Um, I think there's something really cathartic about seeing these characters facing down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I want to read comics that, for people that, like, read Vice or watch The Young Turks on, or, like, Sam Cedar's podcast or whatever, or, like, uh, <laughs> that listen to The Read. Do you ever listen to that podcast? No. It's it's a pretty good I podcast. I don't know that one. That's like, uh, like, a, like African-American-centric, like, uh, news and stuff. Um, I actually huh. drew them in the issue, and they, like, tweeted about it, and they were, like, blown away. And, like, they have, like, you know, thousands and thousands of Twitter followers. So, like, suddenly, like I said, like, that's just an avenue into, like, people to get exposed to the book that we're not, and I want to make something that they feel like in the Marvel Universe is for them as well as, like, you know, the people that, like, who, who do read comics. I don't feel like we're cutting off one one avenue to get to another. It's just we're having, like, more open arms about, like, this book is for more than just people that read comics and want to see, you know, fucking people getting punched in the face, which is fun too, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I, uh, I know I've known Sam Cedar for a while, so I actually might have just tweeted the two of you together. That's, that's a thing that just happened. But um, but yeah, I, I, you know, that's for us. Like we, we want comics that have some significance and have something to say. And I, I you know, for me, like it, it feels good to see a comic where somebody is actually talking about like how gentrification is a deliberate thing that's being done by developers, and it's not just like because random like kids who went to art school moved to place. Like there's actually a, mm. a plan that's being implemented from, you know, and this is David Walker, of course, being the writer, like he's amazing, but you guys being teamed up on this is just a perfect combination. Um, I mean, growing up in Northern California, the amount of people that moved uh, into where I live in more like the Valley from the Bay area, because they literally have nowhere else to go because uh, yeah. the Bay, Bay area, uh, you can't live there unless you're super, super rich. And so it's like you see people like being driven from their communities and like it affects me on like a very real level, you know? And it's it's a thing where like uh, I don't think it's so one-sided too. Like in Stockton where I live, it's a very – there's like very, very violent neighborhoods in those communities. Like they are helpful when people put money into them, but it's just sad when, when you put money into communities it means kicking out the people – would benefit from that money and the community be made a safer, cleaner place, you know? I mean, that's why they put money in it is to get rid of the actual people basically. Right. Oh God. But there, there are people in, New York, in <laughs> there are people in this town that are trying to make it so where it benefits the communities, not so much drive them out. And it's, it's cool mm-hmm. to see, but there's not enough of those people, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, and there's no reason why comics art shouldn't be one of the places where that conversation is taking place, you know? Yeah. So that, make, that makes me yeah, very I mean, happy. Like, it's a comic I can show to my people and my coworkers. <laughs> like this last weekend, uh, I was at Stockton Con. It's a convention in Stockton that I've been a part of for five years. This is, our, this is our fifth year. And there were so many kids that went up to my table. There's like at least a handful who went up to my table with their like parents and you know, they were just saying that, you know, they really like to draw and they've, they've heard about me or like they follow me on Instagram or whatever. And they, their parents were like, Oh, they talk about you all the time because, you know, they think that if you can do it, they can do it. And I was like, well, fuck, you can do it. You know, like I'm, just, I'm from the same area and it's just really cool to see those kids that like, uh, they like to draw, they, but they don't have access, but they see somebody who also didn't have access and now I work for Marvel Comics, and I get to do this cool shit and travel, and you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've seen some. There's a couple of organizations in New York City that are working on like making that connection for folks, particularly for young, you know, for young kids in African American communities and Latino communities and stuff. But do you have any thoughts on how we're going to get the next generation of artists working at in comics to be? the most diverse generation yet? Well, um, that's, that's an interesting thing. I think that it's just going to happen because it's, the country is becoming a more diverse nation, right? Like mm-hmm. people, people are, people are dating outside their races and like culture is infecting everything. So I think people are just going to grow up drawing comic books more now than they did before when you had to have that entry point, now everybody has that entry point. Like Suicide Squad was a movie with a very diverse cast. People didn't like it mm-hmm. generally, like, but kids liked it. And 
you know, kids saw themselves on the screen as like El Diablo yeah. or, you know, fucking Deadshot. And that's awesome. So I think that's going to, that's going to show when those kids that want to draw comics or that want to draw, draw, have something to draw that reflects themselves in this medium. You know, mm-hmm. people don't understand Definitely. why representation is a big deal. That's why it's a big deal, you know? Are there any particular characters from the established canon that you would love to have a chance to do with, uh, in light of that or not, as the case may be? Yeah, I mean, like, just uh, Blue Beetle, Miss America, uh, the new Ghost Rider that's uh, Robbie Reyes. Um, yeah. You know, like, th- those those characters, the ones that are, like, Kyle Rayner, who I think is, like, low-key to me was like, I found out he was Mexican. I was like, holy shit. And he was like my favorite comic book character, period. Because there wasn't, there was like, you think there's little now. There was like none when I was younger. Uh, and he was only half Mexican, but that that's good enough. <laughs> um, and he was like a, he was like a young, cool guy. He was a comic book, he was a comic book or graphic artist, depending on like what book he was in. And he was fucking cool. And he looked cool. It was to me like, was the guy. So that would be cool to draw someday as well. Uh, but yeah, just those ones, or maybe if I could like turn some other character into a to a Mexican or whatever. Actually, in Nighthawk, uh, <laughs> one of the characters, the female the female cop, um, I, I'm blanking on her name right now, but uh, th- there's a female cop in it, and it didn't have mm-hmm. a race attached to it. And I was like, Yo, can we make her Mexican? Because this is a this is set in Chicago, which is like the second biggest, I mean, like the biggest Mexican population outside of L.A. Like, there's tons of Mexicans there for some reason. And, like, it would be cool to have that presented in the book. Um, so they said, yeah, and they just they made her that way, and I got to draw her that way. And, you know, that's why I think also representation of the creators is just as much as of the characters. And I, I think I've said that before, like, on Twitter or whatever. But uh, mm-hmm. having people in the books that have uh, uh, investment in seeing their identities reflected in the books that they're doing is equally as important. And I think for a long time, artists have been that way, but they've, we haven't had as much of a voice in the creation of the books as we do now. I mean, like, a lot of times it was just, okay, here's the script, get paid to do the script. Now I think there's a lot of collaboration and we have a lot of, like, say in how the shit goes. Um, and, like, I'm perfectly comfortable using that uh, influence, you know? Thank you. Like I think that's just perfect. I think I think that's a really good way of putting it. Absolutely. Yeah, like uh, you know, the colorist of Nighthawk is trans, and she's currently working on a book called Alters, and she has a voice in that book about like, you know, when there's something that isn't quite right, the character, the main character is trans. Um, she speaks up and says, "Yeah, yeah, we can't. You know, we, this has to be a little different." Because that's just it's this wouldn't work this way, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely makes a difference. I don't want to say too much because I don't want to speak for Tamara, but that's something that I've heard from her. Brett, you had a good question. Go ahead. Yeah. So I mean, you mentioned you didn't grow up, you know, reading comics for the most part, and the the comic storytelling, like the way the narratives told is very, like, specific and, I think, like, unique to comics. 
So where did you learn how to, like, tell a story through that narrative if you weren't reading comics and kind of, like, dissecting them uh, of, you know, how well, to do when, it? When I was younger, I didn't read comics, but when I got into high school, uh, when I read my bike to the library, I checked out tons and tons of fucking comics. And when I was going to community college and I was supposed to be working on, like, an English paper, I was, like, reading whatever the fuck Will Eisner stuff I could get out of the library <laughs> And, like, you know, so I had, like, my own, like, uh, obsession with it uh, because suddenly you have access to everything after having access to nothing for so long. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was just through, like, I think, I mean, I'm still not super great at storytelling. I don't think, that's my, like, thing I'm trying to get really good at. Um, That's my my main, like, focus. But... um, yeah, when you read a lot of, like, Frank Quietly, Will Eisner, guys like that, uh, Jaime Hernandez, who's, like, to me, like, it goes, like, you know, Frank Quietly, then Jaime Hernandez, uh, you're going to pick it up sort of organically, I would hope, you know? If you had to put together, like, a, a, you know, teacher's guide or, like, you know, for people to check out, like, who would you suggest they, they look at? I mean, you mentioned quite a few of the greats right now. Are there others that you would tell people to, to look at to learn? Um, David Mazzuccelli, that Asterius Polyp, is amazing. Um, hmm. I don't know. It's, totally. hard, it's, hard, it's hard to say. Um, I, I think Asterius Polyp is just, like, one of the craziest, like, fucking things I've ever read. Oh, uh, Adrian Tamin is, like, also up there for me. He's, like, one of my favorite dudes, like, ever. Um, uh Tomo, obviously, yeah. Uh, from you know Akira and Domo and all that stuff, he's incredible. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been I've been reading a lot of manga. Um, Hiro Taniguchi is one of my favorite guys too. Um, and they're like you know Urasawa, um, Teo Matsumoto does that book Sunny. It's like one of my favorite comics. So I don't know. There's I, I when you say like a teacher's guy, I, I'm not even sure, uh, honestly. It, I'd probably just say whatever I'm reading lately, which is just the stuff I just said. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. I know that, like, there's a ton of stuff that you're working on at this point. Um, so, like, thank you for making the time for this happen. I've wanted to get you for a bit, and this is just perfect. Actually... We've got a question from Twitter. Uh, oh, so oh, wow. Chuck, okay. Chuck asked, um, can you talk about uh, Quietly's influence on you? You said, uh, said he and uh, you and Patara were tweeting about it um, the other day, so Chuck was hoping for you to go in a little bit more. Yeah, uh, so Nick Patara and I, like I said, we're, we're in the Felix crew, and I mean, even more than Burnham, and I, like, me and Patara are pretty tight. Like, we work a lot together as well, like at night. And uh, we were in a Skype call, and we went on like this two- to three-hour conversation about how quietly is the greatest of all time. And the thing that's crazy about that is like this is maybe the fifth or sixth time we've had this conversation with like the same images. <laughs> and we'll just talk about like, oh, that one panel, remember that one panel that he did in this book? And like we'll go find it, post it in the thing, and like, oh, remember that cover that he did? And like he – the Burnham and Patera last year went and visited him, and uh, Patera is, like, 
the biggest collector of Frank Quietly art, like, in the world. Like, he owns so much of, like, Quietly stuff. And he, he owns so much, he gave me a page from New X-Men just because he wanted to be, like, a nice guy. <laughs> so, like, yeah, the other day we were just getting very ignorant about, like, how we how much we love him, how great he is. Uh, we, we were joking about how the only reason we broke into comics so early uh, or so inexperienced, like, so green is because we were trying to draw, like, Frank Quietly and failing, and that puts us above people who are not trying to draw, like, Frank Quietly and failing, <laughs> because at least we're trying, you know, we're at least aiming that high, that even when we come up short, it's higher than a lot of other people who aren't doing that. So Yeah, uh, or based on the artists who I think they're copying, but that's another conversation that might be too bad for <laughs> present company. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of like waves of guys and like the clear line guys are definitely their own camp, but me and Patera in particular are just like huge disciples of Quietly and like we uh when we were at San Diego we had I, I always bring with me that, that uh graphic art, uh the art of Frank Quietly for the T D comics put out. I bring it with me everywhere. But we had had it out and we bought all this food and we like all put it in front of that. We had groceries for the week. We put it in front of that, like I like it like as a like as a like in front of the altar of quietly, like for him to bless that food and <laughs> it's like uh-huh. it gets absurd sometimes when I'm hanging out with him. The the reason that he knew that I was gonna be like a friend of his was because he saw me post all these uh, random one shots or uh, no anthology books that DC put out at, at Vertigo, and he knew based on like the the covers that they're all the ones with quietly work in it, and he knew that I was the only other guy that he knew that took the time to go out at shops or whatever and find these particular issues. So he's like, oh, well, this guy clearly knows what's up, you know? So, yeah, Quietly and I have, like, a, a very tight friend, Quietly Bond. He's a, he's a monster as a human being, but, like, I do like that he, that we have that, you know, shared interest. Nice. I, yeah, I, what, what, cool. what would you say his best work is? Like, if you had to pick one. Who's that, Quietly? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's hard not to say All Star Superman because it's All Star Superman, but um, We Three is also pretty amazing. Just on, like the weird storytelling things does. Pax Americana is like to me the best single issue, period. And uh, like the weird storytelling tricks that they do in that is crazy. Um, I don't. I don't know. Uh, he's He's just incredible. Everything he does is great, and I get different stuff from all of it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, did we? Uh, is there any place that you want to make sure that folks know to check out your work? I, I noticed that you have a website, which I had not checked out until just now. And now I have it's just my Tumblr. It just it. goes to my Tumblr, yeah. It's just uh, newcoolmeat.com. Yeah. That's kind of out of date. Uh, if you add me on Facebook, it's just Ramon Villalobos or Twitter. I post stuff there uh, at Ramon Villalobos or Instagram at the Ramon Villalobos. Like those are those are the main ones. Great, thank you. And you're obviously very well, easy you. to talk to on Twitter, as we've been able I to try. demonstrate. So. <laughs> um, so yeah, I hope we can get you back when you have a night whenever there's a new series announced. And uh, and we'll have this yeah, episode. Anytime. Will be uh, sorry. Go, right. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was just saying anytime, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. Tomorrow. Yeah. So, thank you for joining us. We much appreciated it. Hopefully, you had a good time. Yeah, it was great. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Do I just hang up now, or? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot to ask about that. Yeah, that's how we do it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, that was it was interesting. We don't get artists on very often, so to be able to hear one talk except for lately uh, about we've been getting artists. Yeah, lately. we've gotten a lot more lately. Uh, we, but uh, so it's always uh, an area I find interesting because my artistic abilities are lacking. So uh, to be able to hear what they do is yeah, it's always interesting to me. Um, so yeah, that, that was actually pretty cool. Um, we got totally one new, of us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so next week we've got uh, a new episode. It's going to be on Monday, normal time. Uh, Frank Barbieri is going to be joining um, to talk about his upcoming um, image series that uh, he's promoting with Victor Santos. Uh, that should be pretty awesome because Victor Santos rules as far as an artist, and Frank is a hell of a writer, uh, and also talk about his series from Aftershock. Um, the revisionist. So that will be the normal time next week. And yeah, so for those who came in late to this episode, if you want to listen to it again or uh, share it around or, you know, yeah, catch parts you missed, whatever. It'll be online. Uh, iTunes. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be on iTunes and Stitcher um, probably about an hour after we're done and then up on um uh, totally blanking on it. SoundCloud? Like, SoundCloud, yes, sorry. Uh, I had a brain fart there. We'll be up on SoundCloud tomorrow and then our site uh, day, uh, the same day. So you'll be able to catch it at all those places. Uh, a lot of different choices. Of course, we'll be tweeting up uh, when stuff is live on our site. Um, so just pay, there, pay attention there. And our site is graphicpolicy.com. You can catch all kinds of news, uh, interviews, reviews, convention coverage, and more every single day. Uh, so go check that out. If you're a comic book fan, you have no excuse not to. So until next week, as always, thank you for listening. I'm Brett. I'm Ilana. Keep it geeky. <laughs>